0: Hello and welcome back to Practicing Human, the podcast where every day we're getting a little better at life. I'm your host, Corey Mascara, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about why your ability to hold another person's suffering is directly related to your ability to hold your own suffering. More to come on that in a moment. First, let's settle in together with the sound of the bells. Okay, so let's talk about holding space, specifically for another person who is going through something difficult, something painful. Now, as human beings, we are always interacting with others, and this ability to be able to hold a compassionate, caring, spacious presence for another person while they're going through something painful is one of the greatest gifts you can offer another person. And if you're looking to deepen your relationship with your partner, deepen your relationship with your children, with your friends, with your students, with your colleagues, this is a skill that is really important to have and will improve your quality of life and then those that you connect with, subsequently improving your life even more because it deepens connection. And you can think about it in your own life anytime you've gone through something difficult. Chances are there are those people that you think about who you know hold space for you to have those experiences. People who you've interacted with in the past who could just listen, could just be there with you, weren't trying to fix you, change you, judge you, could just hold your pain with you. It's a powerful gift to offer another person, and the first step to developing it is to develop it within yourself. That is, to be able to hold space for another person's suffering requires you being able to hold space for your own suffering. So why is that? Well, to not hold space for your own suffering, to not feel your own pain, and by suffering, we don't It doesn't have to mean the deepest tragedy. It could just mean your own anger, your own resentment, uh, subtle forms of of grief. To not feel that requires putting an armor up. You have to compartmentalize something, shut down some part of you, because there's a, a real, raw, emotional experience here. And to actively try to not feel that requires shutting it out. And, and in some way, distracting yourself from yourself. You need to keep your attention on something else. And this is often why we can become addicted to being busy, doing a lot of things, uh, having a very jumpy, scattered attention. Because there's a fear that if we stop, and we're still, and we're not turning our attention elsewhere, our attention will go to the thing that we haven't addressed, our own suffering. And so in order to keep that at bay, we have to keep this this subconscious armor up and keep our attention elsewhere, okay? So now let's look at what is required to hold space for another person who is suffering. Well, this requires first being present, deeply attuned, open, and to have the capacity to stay with this person in the fire, this doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be suffering with them. But it does mean that you have to be open to feeling something or at least be impacted on some level. Otherwise, you're just going to be operating on a, a purely cognitive level. And it's, it's possible to show up for another person. It's possible to hold some space for another person. And to compartmentalize your own stuff and, and try to be present with them. But it's not going to be this full-bodied presence. One that allows you to, to connect to what they're feeling and not be hijacked by it. Not be overwhelmed by it. To hold it with them. To let it move through you. And to respond and hold space in a way that's clean that doesn't have hooks or snags. So what do I mean by hooks and snags? Well, if we haven't done our own work and resolved some of our own emotional triggers and pains and done some healing, then other people's stuff is going to activate us. It's going to trigger the part of us that is actively suppressing other parts of us that we don't want to feel. And if we feel like being in this person's presence is asking us to start to be vulnerable to have to feel something, then we're going to subconsciously manipulate this person and say things like, oh, it's okay. Like, you don't have to be said. It's going to be fine. And we give them a quick pat on the back and try to accelerate the process. And and maybe we know what to do because we've seen the movies and we've seen this done in other places. And it's like, okay, I have to put my hand on their back. I have to say it's going to be okay. And it could be coming from a good place, but we're really uncomfortable being with this person suffering. And so it, it's often not conscious, but we're subconsciously trying to get out of it. We're subconsciously trying to impose our own coping strategy, which is probably not working, onto this person. And so this is why if if we haven't sat with our own stuff, if we haven't held space for our own suffering with with openness, spaciousness, compassion, kindness, and stillness, and allowed it to move through us without all of these ways that we try to avoid, numb, suppress, if we haven't done that work, then we're most likely going to be operating on some subconscious level, doing the same thing to this other person, because the skills required to show up fully for them are the same skills required to show up fully for you. And I've, I've seen the power of this time and time again. I first experienced it for myself as someone holding space right when I got back from Burma. I was there for six months just spending time attuning to my own experience every single day for months on end, uh, many hours per day. And a lot of stuff comes up in that space. It's inevitable to pay that much attention to yourself and not experience suffering, regrets, Grief, confusion, despair, physical pain, emotional pain, psychological pain, spiritual pain, it all arises and you're asked to meet it, to soften into it, to to just be with it with compassion and patience and love and not default to, to all of the usual uh, coping, numbing, distracting mechanisms that we typically use to not have to face certain truths in our lives. And and so having done that for six months, when I came back, um, I was like a, a Jedi <laughs> when it came to holding space for, for suffering. And I remember when I first started teaching uh, groups, I was with people who had been in therapy for years or, you know, had done a lot of work. Um, and I would just spend time with them, and they would feel something reorganized within themselves, a, a healing that would happen that I can't take any credit for because it's not like I was saying anything special. The skill that was was refined was just this capacity to be with this person in a really clean open, spacious way, without an agenda. There was there was nothing left in me that had a desire to change this person or to fix this person. It was pure curiosity. What is it like to be you right now? Wow, I can feel that with you and, and let me go into that space with you. It is so remarkably healing for a person when you can offer that to another. I've experienced for myself on the receiving end and on the giving end. And one of the key reasons I maintain a meditation practice these days, and I'm inspired to deepen my meditation practice, is because I'm just more useful for other human beings as a teacher, as a partner, as a a son, as a sibling, as a friend. It's something I deeply value, and I personally believe our world would be a better place if more of us had this capacity to hold our own suffering. Now, that's not to shame any of us because this is hard work. It, it could potentially be some of the hardest work we ever have to do, especially depending on your past. And so, you know, my past has been different than your past and the mechanisms, the variables that have led me to doing this work are going to be different than for you. And the intensity for me might be very different than what it is for you. So I respect your own journey and the pace at which you need to walk it. But it does remain true that if you are interested in being able to hold this deeper space for another person, going through something difficult, and for them to feel your steady, grounded, loving presence, and and to be able to receive that gift, requires first you doing that work. There's no way around it, unfortunately you can go a long way by having self-awareness of where you haven't done some of that work, the stuff that you haven't sat with, because then at least in those moments where you feel yourself getting triggered, you'll recognize that, oh yeah, I'm, I'm trying to deflect being with this person because this is uncomfortable territory and I don't even know what it's like to hold it within myself. And so to have that self-awareness can be a, a doorway into perhaps entering for the first time into that space with another person, but it's better not to be doing that sort of healing work while you're holding space for another. It can be done, and and there's space for that, but in general, we want to be able to hold this other person's pain without reliving our own past stuff. So I hope this gives you something to think about. If this does inspire you to go deeper, then uh, a great opportunity is going on a retreat. And I do have an upcoming online retreat, September 25th through 27th. And I'd love to have you there. It's a retreat is like a, a pressure cooker of sorts. It asks you to be with yourself and the many dimensions of yourself. And it can be difficult, but that's why we have a supportive container to explore doing this work. So if this episode resonates for you, or you just want to go deeper into holding that grounded presence for other beings in the world, um, then I'd love to have you there. You can learn more about that at Corymascara.com forward slash retreat. All right, well, that's all for now. Thank you so much for your practice and for doing the big work. It's needed more than ever. I'll talk to you soon, and until next time, take care.